the sign said long-haired freaky people need not apply so i took my hair up under my hat and i went in to ask him why Can you say groovy? groovy? My name's Jerry. You might know my brother, Terry. <laughs> We're twins. <laughs> Hardly. Anyway. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Okay. If you're a guest, this isn't the regular thing here. But uh, anyway, uh, we wanted to just, I wanted to start this with just basically a kind of a teaser to grab hold of your attention. Uh, Anyway, the idea is that we want to take a start with a humorous look at uh, culture. We're going to talk about culture and raising kids today. And so uh, my culture, I was raised uh, in the early uh, 70s, uh, late 60s. And I was thinking about uh, Pastor John and I were talking about this message and parenting and, uh, and cultures and all that. And I thought, uh, and this idea came with the uh, idea he had, if I could go back. You ever have that? If I could go back, what would I change? Okay, and so I began to look at the things that I would go back. I would I would like to keep my hair. <laughs> uh, I would like to eat less donuts. Uh, I would have bought Apple stock uh, in the mid seventies. Uh, not everybody get this, but I would have saved my record albums. Vinyl's back, and it's just cool to have that. So uh, thinking about yourself, what about you? What would you go back? Maybe an era in your life, maybe as a, as a young parent or young married, uh, what things would you do different maybe as a parent, and what would you change? Now, uh, I really wanted to look back. I got married in 1973. I was 18 years old. Uh, the guy in the little comedy thing is true. is 18. Uh, my mom cried. My dad thought I was crazy. Uh, and they were right. <laughs> it was really difficult. But anyway, uh, I had kids uh, in 1975. I had my son, 1977, my other son, and my daughter, 1979. So married in 73, uh, and just in those span of six years, life happened. And I began to really look at the issues of being a husband and a father, and I failed miserably. I had a tough time with that. And so um, we're going to... Um, uh, make today's Father's Day message. Happy Father's Day, dads. How many dads are here? All right, great guys. Thank you. Yeah, honor these guys. Thank you, dads. Um, and so we're in this series, Teach Me, as you saw on the roll-in. And uh, I've got to say, last week we had a fantastic start with the series with Kate's message. Uh, all through this week, her three thoughts, her three words that we want to focus on, uh, I hope maybe you remembered, if not, I'll remind you, it was create. Your words create. The second was life. They give life. And the third was they bless. And what a great lead into Father's Day message or parenting message on culture to have those a part of what we're talking about today. So those were very powerful. And we want to thank her for that. So my question was, and it was uh, posed in different ways, but I put it down to a simple statement, how to raise kids in a culture that's opposed to Christian values. Big issue. Culture is a big issue today, isn't it? And so it's not a new issue to God, though. 
throughout history, culture has always come against Christianity. It's a very rare thing that we had a season in our history where our culture was very pro-Christian. So when I was uh, in my uh, high school years, it was the late 60s, okay? Anybody here remember the late 60s? All right, you must not have done drugs either. So um, uh, we had a culture that really rocked the church. We grew up in a culture that the church, the traditional church, kind of had their flow, kind of had their groove and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, the 60s exploded on the scene. And here's what we experienced, okay? The church uh, was facing this. The Beatles, one of the most popular groups at that time and, and, and still quite popular, they proclaimed with their influence, God is dead. You don't think that influenced a lot of young people? We also had a political upheaval. You think it's bad now. It's terrible. You had assassinations. You had riots, things that were very terrible in the 60s and 70s. You had a sexual revolution that uh, confronted any moral value of the church, uh, uh, explosion of drugs, heroin, uh, LSD, uh, marijuana became a very popular thing at that time. Uh, what I experienced here in Colorado is uh, in Denver and especially Boulder, you had tons of runaway teenagers, homelessness. They would literally take over city blocks and you'd just find all sorts of kids camping out. Uh, we saw cults of all kind on the rise, especially satanic cults. We saw a, a rise in Eastern and Native American religious groups that were highly promoted as the way to path to God. And so the church in America at that time was under assault. All right. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so we're in difficult times, culture, all these things that are going on. And so uh, how many remember the song that we opened up with signs? Anybody familiar with that song? All right. Uh, just to identify where we're at in our culture, I came up with a picture from a restaurant. I want you to take a look at this. Now, if you're young, that wasn't funny. But if you're my age, you get it, all right, uh, uh, from that song, all right? And so here's the reality, all right? The church that I grew up in uh, felt beaten. We felt like there was nothing we could do, that, that the culture won, and they were totally wrong. The Apostle Paul writes in our times, in our last days, something very revealing about culture, especially in the last several decades in America and other cultures. But he writes this in 2 Timothy. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there'll be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Boy, I feel that one. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others. This was Paul writing before we had social media. All right. Can you imagine if he saw social media, how he would phrase that? Uh, they have no self-control. They're cruel. They'll hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. This idea of a religious behavior is so ingrained in us, not even in a traditional church religious behavior, but all sorts of religious beliefs that are not godly in any of its nature. Now, in that time and era that I was raised, I remember this passage of scripture being read and stated often, and oh, it's the end times, and here's what's going on with our world. And so with this culture in the 60s that confronted the church, I came across the idea of two responses from the church. 
all right? And the first response is that um, we need to condemn this culture. This is nothing of God. We need to just get in the face of this. We need to call it out. We need to condemn it. And churches were threatened with the culture and the things that I just described. Or we saw something else. We saw churches that chose to impact that culture. They made the decision that that culture, that age, that group of people, all right, were mattering to God, that they needed help, that they needed God, that they were living in this culture or world trying to find answers, and they were doing everything to find God, but finding a heart uh, that was broken and aching and some of that. And so the church at that time rejected those of that culture. I remember many churches, traditional, could not understand the idea of, of, of clothing, you know, uh, how many remember church when you always wore a suit and tie? Dresses, all right? Uh, it, it, <laughs> that was it. And if you did not wear a tie, it's like, oh my goodness, you are in need of salvation of God. You are in trouble. You are on the edge of backsliding. And you better get that tie on or you're going to the bad place, you know? And so here comes these young people, teenagers, uh, 20s, getting uh, uh, long hair and neat clothes like I'm wearing today. Bell bottoms, yay. Um, anyway, they're back. I heard they're back, right? All right, so uh, I can't do skinny jeans, but I can do bell bottoms. <laughs> anyway, and so here's the thing. All right, our struggle as believers is how to keep the light during the darkness of our season, of our time. And as a parent, as a grandparent, you have to understand what is that going to look like? And that's what I want to talk about today. And so here's what we discovered at that time. And I believe we'll discover in this time. All right. Those that looked at the ways they could impact their culture found out that God was going to do some amazing things. So in the middle of that mess of culture, and if you remember it, it was a terrible time. But God brought revival in that time. We had a group of people that began out of California seeking answers and finding those answers in Jesus. And they became known as Jesus people. And they began to share the gospel wherever they went. And it was a huge revival movement. All right. Many of our great churches today that we know and respect were born out of that. Calvary Church, Vineyard Churches, and others were born out of that revival. But the church didn't know what to do with them. Traditional churches, all right? Mainline denominations. You could not be a hippie and go to that church. So what did they have to do? They had to find a place they were welcome or create a new environment, all right? As a church, we want to welcome. We want the culture to be able to come here. We don't want the culture to affect our values with God, but we want to impact them. I mean, it just really was a crazy thing. These kids were coming into church uh, rocking with guitars, and I'm telling you, a lot of mainline churches, guitars were unacceptable. No drums in our church, all right? And they were moving the organ, and people were having heart attacks. You move the organ to put a pair of drums in here. This is blasphemy. This is terrible. And people just could not handle that. But they found a way. Actually, uh, Happy Church. Many of you might know that if you're around this area. Uh, I was in high school. Happy Church started in West Colfax. There's a little white church building. Uh, it, it wasn't big at all. But uh, uh, Marilyn Hickey and Wally, uh, they had a heart for these uh, hippies. And they were opening the doors and they were letting guitars and bell bottoms and, 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 and long hair and all this into the church. And revival was breaking out. The power and the spirit of God was changing these kids' lives. Meanwhile, down the road, the traditional church who had shut the doors to them were still dead in their coldness. 
and they miss God. We need to be parents. We need to be a church that understands that culture is not our enemy. The enemy is the dominion of this earth that Satan has. We need to break that stronghold. We need our culture to know and accept that God is the answer, that God is life, that God is eternity, and that that is the message that our world needs to hear. Religion is in the don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. Relationship is in the do. Come in. Be a part. Experience God. That's our heart here. That's our belief here. Now, look, I agree, okay? Being in the world and not of it is always going to be hard. It's just not going to be an easy thing, all right? And I understand that. And you might be struggling with this, and I don't care your political persuasion. I don't care if you're, you're thinking of anything else. But culture has always been against Christ, all right? Even religious cultures were against Christ, all right, and it's easy to look at our sinful culture as the enemy and miss the point that religion was an enemy of God as well. All right, in our country, we went from being a pro Christian country to an anti, and for a lot of people, that's a struggle. I understand that it's nice when Christianity is celebrated and honored, but when that changed, we don't know what to do. There are real issues. Please, parents, please, grandparents, know my heart. You guys know my heart. This isn't it's a strong, difficult thing. All sorts of things about identity, all sorts of things about direction. Nancy yesterday found this article. It kind of was great to share it with you. There's a move now to change the word in, 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 um, in documents of mom to birthing person. Okay? Birthing person. All right? Moms? How many moms? All right, how many times do you hear your kid pulling, mom, 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 you've experienced that, right, moms, mom? I'm not worried about the birthing parent person thing. It doesn't work. Birthing person, birthing person, birthing person. It isn't going to happen. I'm not threatened by that. I'm not worried about that, okay? Because every mom here knows, all right, first of all, you'll never answer to birthing person, all right? All right, and mom, it takes about 10 times to get your attention, but finally you get them, knock them, and, you know, anyway. So let's not do this idea of missing our opportunity as believers and followers of Jesus. Now, as a parent, from the dad perspective, dad, I've got to tell you right now, dads, um, the, 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 the genesis of this message came to a conversation with Pastor John. I respect him as one of the great pastors and leaders, but I've always thought John's been a great dad. I've watched how he parented his kids, raised good kids. Amy, you're a product of that. Kate, Daniel, David, Britt, all of these are great people. And I saw John and Chris do a good job. And I was always a little kind of envious that I wasn't that good of a parent. I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. I'm young. I'm 18. I have a child at uh, close to 21. I didn't know what to do with kids. I remember they held out my firstborn son. I was like, I can't hold him. I, I will break him or something. All right? And, and so, but I'm a trickster. And I remember some little old ladies from the church came over to visit the newborn. All right? And so uh, uh, Brenda said, hey, would you go in and get the baby? And I remember going in the other room. And I remember, oh, there was this doll there. And I wrapped up the doll, and I came in, and I tripped, and I threw the doll in the air. These old ladies were diving. I was in trouble for a long time. Anyway, 
I was afraid to raise kids. I didn't know how to raise kids. I had great parents. I'd experienced that. And I'm going to talk about that today. But uh, as a young man, I was just not really understanding what it meant to be a parent. And so I made a lot of mistakes. Now, part of this message, I, I, I'll be open and honest with you. I asked my kids a question. I said, hey, hey, guys, I'm doing this message. Can you tell me, help me understand and maybe communicate what I did well as a parent and, and some areas I didn't do well? All right, and my kids were so kind, and, and I hope you will permit me to just open up my life a little and share a little of that today. Is that okay? Um, I, I want you to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, all right? And here's the ugly, all right? My kids' response to that question. Um, some of it is, Dad, you just being a human, so I, I don't hold it against you. Maybe putting church before us at times, spending <coughs> too many hours trying to <coughs> excuse me, help other people's families. But the stuff you did well exceeded that by far. <coughs> Excuse me. On the negative side, you worked a lot. Another comment. Our family vacations were mostly visiting family, not having fun, <laughs> <clears throat> or going to the beach or Disney World or something like that with just our family. We always did youth trips, uh, and, and, and I always brought our kids on youth trips. I mean, they were like, they thought they were youth at, at five years old. They thought they were teenagers. Anyway, that was complicated at times. But I sometimes felt like because your role, other kids or other families were priorities over us. My last child, I think one area I can say was an issue would be the order that the church came in above the family. Sometimes being a pastor seemed to come before us. I do have regret about that. I want to learn from that. I want to pass on what I've learned from that. All right, it's hard for a child to fight against God. All right, dads, maybe your job is Acme Inc. or whatever your job is. And it's easy to point that as a bad thing if you're a workaholic and if you're not coming home. It's easy for that. But can you imagine kids? Oh, my dad's a pastor. I hate him being a pastor. You can't go against God. And they were kind of stuck in that. I understand their sentiment because it's true. I was a young youth pastor. I wanted to build great ministries. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help families. And I was so invested in that that I missed the opportunity in those early days with my own children. And they remember it. Fortunately, they love Jesus. Fortunately. And this is why a lot of pastors' homes end up broken. Because <clears throat> pastors are so into that. So I want to help you today. I want to help our church. I want to help our parents and, and I want to help your kids, no matter whether they're teenagers or even older, uh, I want to help. So interesting enough, we can learn a lot from Paul. Paul is writing to a young pastor, Timothy, and he's training him in how to lead. And he sees Timothy, and this is what really spoke to me and opened up this uh, passage of scripture for this message. Uh, I read in the passage, uh, he said, my, my young son, Timothy. He wasn't a biological father, but he, he was a mentor to him. And he said to my young son, uh, Timothy, whom I love. And, and I thought, whoa, that is awesome. And I looked at that passage, not from a pastor, uh, apostle to a young pastor, but as a dad to a son. And all of a sudden, a light came on. This is really good stuff in our culture, developing this kind of parenting, all right? And so he writes in 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. <clears throat> I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. 
And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Is there anybody in your life that brings joy to you when you see them? Husbands? <laughs> Guys, come on. Squeeze your girl's hand. Say, oh, you do it, baby. You do it for me. And if not, just lie. It's Father's Day. You're going to get lunch. Come on. Get with it. All right? Listen, there are people in my life, okay? I will say this, and I mean this with all sincerity. I didn't greet. I, I always greet. I love greeting. I love seeing you come in. I love meeting you. It's always, it's just like it's been a week I love seeing you. And so when you come in, the joy is real. Oh, how are you doing? Man, it's good to see you. I, I love that. I love that. And you bring me joy. And there's people that in your life bring you joy. And the Apostle Paul is talking about Timothy because he's from a distance now relating to this young man he's been discipling and developing as a leader. And he remembers and reflects how great and joyful it is to see you. He has this sense of love. And so my first point, my first way that we make an impact is number one, by relationship. Love them. So let's start in the home. Love them. All right? So I asked my kids the question, what did I do well? All right? So I want to bring it back to there. All right? And I, I want to honor my kids with what they said. Uh, one of my kids said uh, to what I did well, Dad, that's easy. You were there. You never left. I was secure in the fact that you would never leave. You always provided. You always wanted good things for us. You made holidays very special. You loved our mom well. I feel very blessed to have had you as my dad. You always pursued God. I knew that. I knew that I could count on you. Very nice. Very honor from my children. And again, uh, in making mistakes, ooh, this is good. We can do things. Dad, we can, we can miss it in an area. But if you have that love, if that's a real deal, it can really offset. It can cover a multitude of sins. And so... That heart for my kids was there. But the problem today is that, that love is such a misused term. You've heard it this week. Oh, I love this. I love that. I lo it, it, it comes across as a shallow, all right? Uh, everything's generic in love, all right? And it doesn't have the meat that Paul is talking about that is represented here in the scripture. Love today is very self-centered. All right, it, it, it's true in relationships. You see it all the time, even in parenting. Mom, dad, listen, let me just tell you, there's a few things about parenting that you need to know are important, okay? Love isn't acceptance, all right? We have a culture that says, if you accept me, it means you love me. That is not true. There's nothing biblical about that. Do you know that Jesus doesn't accept your sin? But you know what he did? He made a way for all of that to be made right, all right? As parents, sometimes parents have just accepted stuff because they're under the impression that acceptance means love. It does not mean love. Love sometimes is hard, all right? Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes to say and to do the things with your kids that are important. Here's what love is. Love is looking out for the best of that person. And sometimes by saying no, my kids did not like me. There were times they did not like me. I want to go to this party. I want to go to that. No, you can't go. Dad, you're so unfair. Dad, you're so mean. All right? And, and sometimes parents today, they want to be liked by their kids. And, and, and can I tell you, hey, you're to be the parent. All right? Yes, I understand. I called my dad this morning. My dad's in his mid-80s. 
all right, taking care of mom. She's going through health stuff, been doing that for a few years, all right. Our family, amazing family. We're all surrounding them and supporting them. Uh, grandkids, everybody's just jumping in. It's a family. It's a cool deal, all right. And so I, I called my dad. I said, Dad, you did a great job. I see all your kids, all right, and, and, and I know I'm the best one, and, and I just want to thank you. My dad was so sweet. He laughed. We talked a little about parenting, all right? And so, but I'm telling you, my dad cared about me. My dad just didn't let me do everything I wanted to do. My dad looked out for my best interest, even though I didn't know it was my best interest. Dads, be the dad. Don't be the friend. Now, here's why. If you be the dad now when they're young, the day's coming you get to be their friend when they're old. And let me tell you, I'd rather take a friend like that than try to be a friend now and have them miss it because I couldn't do that, all right? And so the love the Bible talks about is the kind of love you need in your home, a love that is best for another. And now here, Paul mentions in this, I'm going to cover this for a second because I think this is so important. I think many dads miss this, okay? Dads, we're good about, you know, putting the bike together. We're good about planning this. We're good about providing. We're good about doing all these things. And, and we're good about dads spiritually, your leaders. That doesn't mean you have to be a Bible thumper. That doesn't mean you have to walk around holier than thou. It just means that you are the dad who leads spiritually in your home. And the best way, dad and mom, grandparents, how many grandparents? Okay, let me check again. All right, you can do by what Paul says to Timothy. I constantly remember you in my prayers. There were times in my high school year that culture was influencing me. <laughs> Dating a girl that I really cared about but was not good for my future. Moving in directions of which college to go that would not have put me here and in the ministry that I've had for 45 years. And guess what was happening with my mom and dad? They were praying. I remember, I remember clearly walking by my parents' bedroom. The door cracked open and seeing my mom on the edge of the bed on her knees and hearing my name. Whew. Hearing my name. I know with my own kids, as we prayed and prayed, God, we feel like there's something going on. And we prayed and, and later on found out they were at a crossroads and they went the right way. Dad, be committed to prayer. Be committed to prayer. That is the greatest love you can show your kids. All right? Second Timothy, moving on, verses 5 through 7. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled uh, your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Look at this as a parent to a son. This is why I remind you, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Folks, I see so many Christians walking around so fearful of our culture. Instead of being, understanding that we've been given power, love, and self-discipline. Except for donuts. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing good there. Trust me, I'm doing good there. We impact by, number two, passion. Show them. Fire, fire, fire. Guys, okay, women on Mother's Day go out to dinner, right? Right? What do guys do? 
They crank up the fire. They put the meat on the grill. We guys like fire, campfires, right? Fire, it's just our, it's in our, it's God's DNA in us. We're all fired up. All right, that didn't go. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate that, man. Listen. Passion. Jake was telling me, Jake, I, I, I hope I get this quote, but it's a quick thing he read that in a prison, they provided cards on Mother's Day for prisoners to send to their mothers, and they ran out of cards. They didn't have enough. They had to get more. And so in anticipation of Father's Day, they ordered tons of cards. It ends up being one card went out to fathers. Think about that. Dads, you can make an impact, but you got to be passionate about your walk with God. You have to understand that more is going to be caught than taught. We think that if we do religious things, our kids are going to be spiritual. It isn't in religious things. It is in you walking in spiritual ways with that passion for God. That is so important to that. Now, listen, I did a lot of things as a father that failed. But one thing, I've always loved Jesus. One of my kids wrote this. The things you did well as a father primarily boil down to the example you set. I was able to see how you interacted with people, how you put them in their needs. I saw how you treated mom with respect and affection. You were good at laying down rules. I feared your punishment, which helped keep me in line. I appreciated your involvement with my life, my sports, coaching me in basketball. Passion is such an amazing thing. How many of you are passionate about the Broncos? Not as many as they used to be. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay? Can I tell you, though, when Peyton Manning was there, if I'd asked that in church, whoop, whoop, it would have been a big deal. All right? But guess what? All right? Uh, I grew up here. I'm a Denver guy. And I lived away, but I never lost my desire and passion for Broncos. John Elway, quarterback in Super Bowl, yay, flipping around, yay, all right? And I was always excited about that, all right? So my kids, they, they like the Broncos. They're all over now, a son in Birmingham, a daughter in Charlotte, my uh, oldest son here, okay? And, 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 and in a time and a season, man, the Broncos, they, if it came on, they were going to watch the Broncos. I have grandkids now that like the Broncos. I had a family dilemma, okay? They lived in Charlotte when we played them in the Super Bowl, all right, uh, one of uh, Heather's kids says, I don't care, I'm cheering for the Broncos. All right, their whole class wore their, uh, uh, what, what's the team, uh, Charlotte? Uh, the Panthers. All the kids were wearing Panther shirts. And they took a, they took a, a, a picture, class picture, one kid in a Bronco shirt. Yeah, right on. Right on. And you know what? She could care less what they thought. I mean, they were saying mean things. She's a Bronco fan, okay? She's, she's a pretty stubborn little girl anyway, but, it, but it's pretty cool. Hey, passion. Passion makes you wear a Bronco shirt in the middle of all the Panther fans. Your passion for Jesus in the middle of a culture that has a different shirt says, I am passionate about my Jesus. And when you live that, dads, when you live that in your home, your kids are going to catch that. They're going to see that. They're going to experience that. And passion is this. Passion's a lifestyle. It isn't, I'm going to go to church this weekend. It isn't, I'm going to watch online. It is, I'm going to live this out. And when your kids experience that, when your grandkids see that in you, my grandfather was a godly man. All right, And I'd spend weekends with him, and we'd spend so much time talking about God. 
My grandfather loved Jesus. And you don't think as an 11, 12-year-old boy, all right, how cool that was to talk about spiritual things, to not let it be weird or religious, but to really, God is cool. Here's why. All right, please look at the lifestyle you're living. All right, the second part of that is, is the passion is community. Sometimes people think just going to church is, listen, it is, it is, it is in these areas, okay? In your faith, in a weekend, let me just say, isn't it good to gather together? Did you hate COVID not being able to be together? Yes. Let me tell you, our worship band, God is doing some amazing things. I'm telling you, to be here and to be a part of that worship, all right? And if you're, if you're live streaming, whatever reason, but you're missing something awesome. Am I right? Yeah. You're missing something awesome. To be together, to be the gathered community of God, to celebrate together, to worship together, awesome, awesome, awesome. To see young people excited about Jesus, to see people my age excited about Jesus, and we all come together, and we're really experiencing God. How wonderful that is. But that isn't all there is. All right, another part of uh, passion is community. I'm a, my title is Connections Pastor. Okay, that's good. I didn't want anything really religious, formal sounding. There's a lot of smart people that have better titles, but Connections is me. I love it. I love connections. I love people, all right? We do a lot of groups here, okay? People, do we have groups? Yeah, we have groups, all right? A lot of them are organic. A lot of people just talk to me and say, hey, man, I, I want to be getting in a group, and, and I, I got some friends, and they get together, and they start a group. You don't even know about it, all right? We do message discussion guides. We send them out to these groups. They talk about the service, all right? We have other things, connect events, the things that I like doing. I call them on-ramps to connection. We do common interest things, Okay? All right, how many of you here like golf? All right, we have a golf tournament coming up. I just found out they have a beautiful flyer out there. Amy was showing me. All right, uh, annual tournament. It's the best tournament in town. It isn't a fundraiser. We have amazing business partners in our church and donors who give money to support it, to provide gifts or prizes, all right? But guess why we do this? Guess why we do this? It isn't to promote anything but you as a golfer, bringing your husband, your wife, your friends, your neighbors. Every year I bring my neighbors. I'm in a new neighborhood now. I got new neighbors. I got new people to bring, all right? And expose them to Christian people that aren't weird. Yeah. <laughs> that we golf badly. <laughs> and it's good, all right? And so this thing sells out. So if you're interested, get one of these and get registered because it'll be, it'll be done in two weeks. I'm just telling you. It's one of the best things we do. We have other groups, connect groups, all right? Uh, last week, uh, we did a car rally, okay? Uh, and all those guys with sports cars, uh, hot rods, classic cars, performance cars, we get together and we take a drive after the uh, first service. We go to a restaurant. We sit down. We had so much fun. We sit down. We got this thing. It's called a Scrabble Run where each, each uh, um, checkpoint, they get Scrabble tiles, based on their time, and then at the, at the restaurant, they make words, and the one with the most points is actually the winner, and it's really fun to watch people in any way. It's a connection. People have a common interest in cars. Uh, it's the same group that with the Golden uh, Cruise uh, on the first, I think, Saturday, go up, okay, and, and just hang out at Sonic all together, people that they don't know, but they, they know. Shooting. How many like shooting guns? Just not today while I'm here, okay? <laughs> Please. All right, we got a shooting group, all right? Our next one's couples, all right? And, and it doesn't have to be a spouse, but guy-girl kind of a thing. And you get points, and the winner wins a gift card, all right? Hey, we get the whole bay. It's JFC Bay, 10 lanes. And you get a, shooting people get this. You get a look at guns and talk about guns, and then we, we go to Chipotle. And we have a great time. But all of it is is about connecting. 
I, I go, I never had a gun until I went to the shooting group. And they said, well, Terry, you got to have a gun if you're going to come. <laughs> okay, cool. What gun do I get? I have a gun now. It's cool. I go. All right. They wanted me to be the duck thing. That go- I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll draw the line there. All right. Uh, uh, we have a motorcycle ride coming up. Any bike people here? We got a lot of them. We're planning a ride. We, we, we take a ride. We stop again. All these are connect groups, masterworks. Listen, if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you're a manager, a salesperson, you need to come to masterworks. We do it once a month. The next one, I'm excited. We're going to have a pancake breakfast at the new property. In the back area there, all right, we're going to have a breakfast. We have a panel talking about post-COVID, all right? Everything that's going on in business, all right, delays, cost, emotional stuff, employee stuff, we're going to cover that with a panel. This happens every month with things that help our business people. We have the last group. I love this group, arts group. You do not know this, but we have some amazing artists in our church, amazing artists. Some of the work that they're doing could be at a gallery in New York. It's amazing. And they're here. They're part of our church. And if you're into art, we're going to start a writer's group. I'm working on it with all of our, we have several published authors in our church. We're going to put a group together, talk about creativity and process, how to impact our culture. This group's about arts and being a witness and testimony to our world. All of this comes into play with the idea of community, all right? So be aware that your lifestyle and community are the reflections of your passion. That will impact our culture. Third, uh, 2 Timothy, verses 13 and 14. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped, shaped by the faith and the love you have in Christ. Do you see the two points already there? Love, passion, right there. In Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So the third thing, we impact by prepare. We train them. We train our children. We train our youth. Last statement from my kids, what I did well. Uh, Dad, I think you've been amazing. You first and foremost taught us about God's love, how to be good persons, the importance of treating others well. We spent many great times making good memories no matter what money we had, what it means to be a family. Got me started with tools and the ability to fix and make things. You always supported and helped me in my sports. I always appreciated that. You gave me a love of camping. It was something I'm glad you gave me. I appreciate as a son when you and mom were your happiness or were at your happiest. All right, so in what Timothy is saying, what I've experienced in my upbringing with my parents, with my bringing up my children, all right, is this idea of prepare, all right? And there's a lot of parents I talk to, they feel like when their kids are launched out into this world, they're not prepared. I want to help you understand that it starts with love and passion, and then what is the intentionality of prepare? This is an important thing, all right? But listen what Timothy says there. Here's the problem, I think, in the religious world. We think if we do enough education, they're prepared. Education's amazing. The truth is valuable. But you know what Timothy addresses here? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in the preparation. Listen, there's all sorts of alternative experiences in the culture that you live today. But when you get an experience with God, 
It is the do. It's not the don't. It is the thing that says, I have something better than what this culture offers me. I have life in Jesus that is abundant and amazing and miraculous. And no way I'm going to trade that for some dumb idea from a college professor. I am prepared because of what I've experienced in God. That's what happened in the 60s. In these churches, and it was primarily, I hate to say it, it was the Pentecostal charismatic churches that said, hey, hippies, come on in, man. Bring your guitars. We've never done that, but let's try it. All right? Bring in the drums. Uh, wear the long hair. Who cares? And they made a lot of mistakes, didn't they? They made a lot of mistakes. We do that. We're human. We goof. Sometimes we miss it. But guess what? The Holy Spirit was working. The Holy Spirit was alive. The passion and love for Jesus was happening. And God brought revival because of that. That's where it's going to happen, folks. We impact our culture, not with just our education, but with our experiences with God. And so we need the Holy Spirit. And we're excited about that here. I will say this, okay? Um, Pastor John and Chris, their heart given to them in an identical dream on the same night. If that isn't God, I don't know what is. For in some generation in the future of their ministry, a teaching training center. And many of you have given and supported and caught that vision. It was so wonderful last week. How many got to the open house? I know some of you are there. We had a great time. It was so much fun. All right. Uh, man, it was just packed, people all over. It is such a big building, you didn't know it. But through the day, they just kept coming in, and we ate lots of ice cream and snow cones and uh, all that fun stuff. And so I did have no discipline with the ice cream, I confess. Anyway, what was so amazing, and Amy, I know you experienced this, Ryan, the idea of, of walking through and with different groups of people, and they, they, they begin to see, whoa, look at what can happen. Look what God wants to do. Can I say this? Please hear my heart. We are not into buildings. We're not into money. They're just tools. All they do is to facilitate the prepare that God has given us as parents and pastors the responsibility for. And when we began to see the vision of what that looks like and the opportunities that we have, it got exciting. Actually, so exciting that day, somebody wrote a large donation, said, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. I'm going to say to all your church, listen. If you think this is about us wanting your money, you have missed it. It's about a vision that God has given this church, our pastors, our leaders, to prepare people, to prepare this generation, to impact our culture and the future generations. It is worth your investment. And if you've held back for some reason, if God has said, don't give, don't give. But if you've held back out of some confusion or lack of understanding, you better just say, God, let me see this vision then. It isn't about us. It isn't about what we're saying. It's not about trying to raise money. Trust me, in, in, in months to come, you're going to walk into a place where you're going to see not a building that's important to us, but the work of God. It isn't about more people. It isn't about that. It is about what we're talking about here. People who are prepared to live out their faith in this world. People who are experiencing Jesus, experience God in all of the cultures and generations that we have here. That is what we're doing. Catch this vision. This is your church. Oh, those that caught it last week, it was so exciting. I left, I left on such a high. Like, whoa, this is awesome. And it wasn't the toasted coconut ice cream. I left on a high because it was such a wonderful experience. Now, look, at maybe some of you are, are late adopters. I get that. I get that. Maybe you just got to kind of ride along for a while. But here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a special authority and anointing that God has been placing on this church. It's been evident in worship. It's been evident in healing. It's been evident in uh, miraculous things. God is doing something. And it's going to be a great thing. Listen, 
bringing the light into the darkness is our duty. It is our responsibility. And can I tell you, it is our great joy to see lives changed. All right, so last one. Uh, 2 Timothy, beginning chapter 2 this time, verses 1 through 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So the last point, we impact by release, by believing in them. If you've done the work we've talked about, if you have given and demonstrated true love, Jesus' love, if you have been passionate, if you have prepared them, hey, can I tell you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. There's no college philosophy. There's no friends. There's nothing that's going to change what they've experienced in God. And they, in turn, will be the light and pass that on to other people. That is so exciting. I love this. I'm telling you what. Um, in believing in your kids, I, I, uh, our family history, I shared it in a message a, a couple years ago. Uh, uh, my dad, his, his mother died when he was 13. It's very traumatic. But on her deathbed, she expressed to him that she believed and prayed for him and his salvation and his life and the impact of his life, as well as her other children. Of that family, you can probably identify more than, what, 50 in ministry, full-time, missionaries around the world. Some are running YWAM. Uh, Pastor John, Chris, many of these have been influenced all right, our children, uh, our grandchildren, your children uh, 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 are all a part of this. It's a passing on in the family, all right? And somebody's saying, man, I, don't get it. I didn't get that. I, I didn't get a dad who loved Jesus. I'm starting from scratch. Well, you break the chain. You start the legacy. You take this and believe what God has said and let the generations that come out of your family be the ones that make the difference. It started with my dad. All right, and it went to our children, or uh, us, and then our children. Heather told me the other day, my youngest daughter, her two sons, 16 and 14, they started a gospel band, a Christian band. All right, and it's just the funnest thing. They're writing their own music. Guess what? They're kind of probably going to dress different than maybe my generation would. All right, they're probably going to have music and lyrics that might not, but guess what? They're going to impact their culture. Okay, and I'm excited about that. I'm going to buy their first album. CD, DVD, digital, whatever it is. I told you I was old school. Please listen to this. I, Todd was kind enough. I really, I, I really stretched doing this whole thing this way. I wanted to impress the point of the idea of culture and how it changes, but it's still the same. And, and I made a, it, Todd used the word, he said, well, Paul said he made a fool out of himself for Christ. I was like, okay. I guess that's what this is all about. But in my heart, I want you to catch my heart. As a pastor, I've done enough with brokenness and hurt. Oh, I've done enough. And, and, and it isn't a perfect world, and my family wasn't perfect. But we saw God do things. And, and, and I have children and grandchildren now that are, are, are impacting their culture. I want that for you. And these aren't just scriptures. They're real things. Love, passion, prepare, and release is real for you. So let me bring it down to this. Dads, dads, I can relate to being a dad and messed up, didn't do it right. Maybe you're here feeling that. Maybe you did it right, and I applaud you. 
But as I prayed, the Lord just gave me three things to pray for. And before I came up, one of our guys came and said, hey, Terry, on the way to church, the Lord just gave me this word for dads. He said, if it fits what you're talking about, would you share that? And I feel it does. This is the word. He said, let dads know God wants to restore. And here's what he wants dads to know. God is going to pursue you. You are going to overtake and you are going to recover things that were lost. It is in Christ you will be renewed. Wait on the Lord. God is moving in your life. And it fits with my final call. And we're going to do this in a very private way. Dads, I know that we kind of like have our pride. I get it. So I want everybody, if you just permit me to ask, close your eyes. Everyone just in a private moment here. Dad, the Lord gave me three things. Maybe you're a grandfather, maybe you're a dad, but three things. Don't let the enemy steal this moment. Here's three things that I believe that the Lord was speaking to. Dads that are here today that are hurting, don't know what's caused that hurt, but you're hurting. You ache, your heart aches, whether it may be failure, brokenness, whatever, but you're hurting. If you're here today and you're hurting, Dad, you'd like prayer. Would you raise your hand? Thank you, dads. Oh, thank you, men. Thank you, men. Thank you for your courage. The second was that dads that are here and they're just confused. You just don't know what way to go. You just don't know how to do this. And there's just confusion in your heart and in your mind. And today you're hearing you say, Terry, I'm confused. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? Okay. Thank you, dads. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And the last is this, dads that are discouraged. You almost feel like giving up. You almost feel like walking. You almost feel like just chucking it. You're here today and you'd say, Terry, please pray. I am so discouraged. I've made failures. I've made mistakes. I've made messes. And I don't know if I can recover, but I'm discouraged. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hands? Yes. Dads, thank you so much. I honor you and your courage to do that. So let me pray. Father, by the authority and the anointing of Jesus Christ today, I lift up these men, all of our dads, but especially this, these group of men who are dealing with hurt and confusion and discouragement. I ask that they leave here today with new hope, that it isn't in their effort. They need to be obedient to you, but it is in your Holy Spirit, your power, not a religion, not a power of religion, but in Jesus Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today you change the destiny of families by the authority of Jesus Christ and in his name. I pray that. And everyone said, amen. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I had fun today. I hope you enjoyed this. Happy Father's Day.